0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, good afternoon. So we'll try to speak up, and uh, if you can't hear us, let us know. So welcome to our next-to-last session on mindfulness. We finally get to mindfulness, and uh, not that we haven't been using it all along to do the practices that we've been doing. But now we're really going to focus on the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness and what the practice of mindfulness is about. Just a really quick review. Just, you know, you are here on the map. We did the preliminary wisdom factors of view and intention. Then we did the ethical factors of speech, action and livelihood and hopefully some of the things we learned from all that have motivated us to work on our own minds and cultivate uh, inner peace and presence and wisdom and so now we're in the mental cultivation factors the last three which is right effort which we looked at last month which is kind of about discerning wholesome and unwholesome and learning how to keep yourself on an even keel internally as much as possible inclining toward the wholesome and learning how to work with the unwholesome states of mind that arise. And of course that needs mindfulness. So mindfulness has been with us all along. So now we're, we're going to look at mindfulness in a way as a practice, as a meditation practice and, and in daily life, but especially in a way that leads us on in t- toward concentration, which is the final factor uh, next month. Okay? Okay. So um, I'm going to talk about. We're going to focus on the four foundations of mindfulness, which is the Buddha's main teaching on mindfulness. That we is a basic text that we use here. And the four foundations are the body, the feeling tone of experience, mind states, and what's called dhammas, which is uh, mental processes or aspects of the Dharma that you can begin to focus on as you as you start to hone in toward the path toward liberation. So I'll be talking about um, body and feeling tone, and Liz will talk about um, mind states and dhammas, and Bruni will chime in and help guide the exercises that we'll do. So let's start out with a, a guided meditation on the body and shading into a little bit of feeling tone So the idea here is to learn to have our body as a grounding and stabilizing support for this journey of awareness. Learning how to stabilize, centering, broadening, relaxing awareness of the body. And as we do that, maybe some pleasant feeling tones begin to arise and learning how to tune into those and allow those to deepen. And so please uh, take care of yourself in this meditation. If you know that you have some parts of the body that you're not comfortable with, feel free to open your eyes and reorient yourself and skip anything that doesn't feel right to you. So the Buddha's first instruction is that we assume a suitable sitting posture and we align our spine. And I'd like to invite you to notice a couple things that have been very helpful to me at either end of the spine in doing that. We spend so much time in our conceptualizing forehead, forebrain mind. I find it very interesting to think of being aware from farther back almost farther back and farther down. So almost in line with the ear holes and back toward where the spine comes into the head so just relaxing the forebrain and tuning into lower and farther back in the upper part of the spine and then I've been playing with an image recently from a yoga teacher of imagining that you like a T-Rex dinosaur standing on its legs with one of those big tails that rests on the ground Imagine that you might play with this, that you have a big tail that's a real source of support in the back. It helps to relax and open the whole sitting area in the lower part of the spine. If that works for you, you're welcome to play with it. So in between those two, we're just orienting to aligning the spine and a sort of settling back Instead of a leaning into, leaning forward and grasping, we're looking at settling back and opening to experience. Resting in the back of our mind, resting on that possibility of support from behind. And taking a couple of deep breaths and knowing knowing that breathing in is happening, knowing when breathing out is happening. And gradually letting the breath settle into its natural rhythm and just staying aware, keeping the breath in the back of the mind as we go through this body exercise. You can always tune in too, knowing that in breath is happening, breathing out is happening. Sometimes a long breath might arise. Sometimes the breathing can be short. You can just bear that in mind. And we'll work on the third part of the instruction, which is to breathe in and out sensitive to the whole body. And we'll explore contacting, opening, Centering, broadening our contact with the whole body. So let's begin with the shoulders. See if you can find a way to attend to both shoulders at once in a way that's centered and balanced between the two sides. So it's both broad and centered. Aware of shoulders. And perhaps aware of the effect the breath has on the shoulders, if any. And letting that broad and balanced awareness spread down the arms. See if you can contact both elbows in a balanced way both wrists both hands just breathing in, breathing out with this centered and broad focus throughout the whole upper torso with that opening and broadening support opening to the inner center of your chest and heart area if it helps in your contact with that area you could bring a hand gently to your the heart to help you feel into that area Just sensing and being aware of anything you can feel in your chest. The intention of relaxing, releasing. And then opening to the solar plexus area between the ribs and the navel. You might put a hand there if it's helpful. And just again broadening both sides, the front, the back, the center of that area. And moving down to the belly just below the navel. Sensing into that area, sensing the front, maybe where your hand is resting if you're doing that. Sensing the corresponding part of the back. Sensing the sides. Just the whole three-dimensional experience of the lower torso. And finally clear down into the pelvic cavity base of the torso and in back the base of the spine, just letting that whole area open and relax. And bringing that balanced and centered attention to both hip joints. Centered and yet an open focus that's aware of both hip joints at the same time. And letting the awareness travel down the legs, both legs at the same time both knees down the shins to both ankles under both feet We're breathing in and out, sensitive to the whole body in a broadly yet centered, relaxed way. And we move on to the next step, which is breathing in and out, calming the bodily activity. And today we'll work with this in terms of some kind of foundational planes where we can perhaps allow our bodily, emotional, mental life to come to rest and settle. So the plane of the feet where we left off before. Really allowing yourself to settle into the contact of your feet with the ground. All around the sides, the toes, the heel. In complete contact. Of this foundation, and coming up to the plane of the contact with the chair or your cushion, and again allowing that whole area to have as full contact as you can have. Balancing both sits bones. Letting the front of your pelvis relax. Letting the back and your dinosaur tail, if you have one, relax. the foundation of settling. And above that coming to the area of the diaphragm, the plane of the bottom of the rib cage and the diaphragm all the way around. The bottom of the heart maybe. Letting all of your emotional life come to rest in that foundation. And flow on to the other foundations of the bottom of the torso and the feet. And coming up to the base of the throat around the collarbones and the shoulder blades all the way around as your whole shoulder structure rests on that plane and all the mechanism of the voice and speaking and come to rest, the throat come to rest, open and settle. coming up to the plane of the jaw that goes all the way around to that occipital ridge and back where your skull rests on the neck that whole plane any tension around the jaw and back of the head maybe the mental life can come to rest as it also rests on the bone level, throat level, the bottom of the diaphragm, the contact with the chair, the feet on the ground, settling, opening. And coming to the eyes, letting the eyes rest in the bottom of the eye sockets Again, the broadening out to the sides, the outer corners of the eyes, and imagining around from there. Maybe slightly allowing the eyes to smile a little if they want to, not forcing anything. natural result of unfocusing and relaxing the eyes, happy eyes, and allowing the top of the head to relax and open. And perhaps some of this journey of relaxing and opening and settling has brought about some pleasant feeling tones internally. The wholesome pleasure of relaxing and opening, broadening, letting go, So it's fine to appreciate that if you feel anything. Eventually, if you wanna do this practice regularly, you can allow this feeling, any pleasant feeling tones to drench and steep and fill and pervade this body. the great support for the mental happiness and gladness of having this path and this way to relax and be present with our experience. and we're not spacing out and falling asleep. We're staying in touch with this intention to relax with the rhythm of the in-breath and the (laughs) out-breath. Tuning into the pleasant quality of being present. So this can be one way to begin a sitting, tuning into the body, sensing, tuning into the breath, becoming sensitive to the whole body, relaxing and calming the whole body, and appreciating any pleasant sensations or pleasant mental sense that arises from that. So mindfulness, <laughs> Bruni and I just spent a week with Venerable Analio who's a, a monk, scholar, uh, one of the leading teachers in our tradition right now and he's in love with mindfulness. <laughs> and uh, he's just keeps reminding us of this quality of sati and the beauty of being present and awake to your life and in the present and knowing what's happening in the moment and the, the, the joy of being here instead of caught up in something that's not here and that's, you know, entangling and worrying in some way and just coming back to here right now. So what is this quality of mindfulness? Mindfulness. Um, it's knowing what's happening in your experience as it's happening and with a little heightened edge of actually knowing that you know. You know, you're not thinking about it, but you're pretty clear that you're present. You know, if, if when we're lost in thought, the question of whether we're here or present or alive, that just doesn't occur to us. We're all caught up in the drama. But when we're mindful... We know we're here, and we know that we're, we're, we're here. <laughs> and we can actually sense and feel what's happening in a direct way. It's not spacing out. It's not getting involved in and proliferating our views and opinions about what's happening, our reactivity. It's not trying to fix or change or get rid of anything. It's just trying to know, just wanting to know what's happening. And we don't really have to try to know. We do know, because we don't have to put a name on it. You know, it's just what's happening right now. It's like this. The word sati actually means remembering, and there's been some discussion about how to understand that. And I like to understand it that, and Analio said this too, like bearing in mind that we're here and what we're doing. You know, we're we're when if we're meditating, we're bearing our meditation subject in mind, but also it gives that space in the mind so that you can bear your good intentions in mind it gives an opening for all of our practice and everything we've learned and developed in the way of wisdom and intentionality it gives it an opening to arise and come forth and and be remembered it's so easy to forget what what your good intentions are and without mindfulness you you have less of a chance of remembering with mindfulness you have more of a chance so we cultivate mindfulness. It's kind of the alternative, you know. Often when we wake up, when we're meditating, the first question in our mind is, "Now what do I do? What am I supposed to do?" Right? It's the all-purpose answer to, "What am I supposed to do?" Now what do I do? See what's happening. <laughs> you know, become aware. Almost anything, anything you can know right now, and helpful to tune into the body. Could be the mind, could be the fact that you're totally confused and you don't know what's happening. That's what's happening. And so it's the answer to what do I do right now? First, before you figure out what to do. Give an opening for your wisdom and your intention to come forward. And it's best cultivated by just appreciating it when it arises and learning to get a taste for what it is to be present and not present you know, and just really appreciating it, not beating yourself up for, being, for forgetting or for being mindless or for not seeing something. Seeing anything is good. Just there, there's that quality of awareness of something, and the constant starting over and over and appreciating. You know, the 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 chief cause of a moment of mindfulness is a previous moment of mindfulness. It just is sowing a habit in the mind over and over again. So, when the Buddha identified these four areas, when we turn to our specific meditation practice with an intention of cultivating our awareness in a way that leads to less suffering and to greater inner peace and happiness, the Buddha identified these four foundations of mindfulness. The body itself, the feeling tone, which is whether the experience is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, And I'll talk a little more about that. That's actually a mental construction on top of experience. It's like experience winds up going through one of these door number one or door number two in the mind, depending on your own conditioning. And then the third is mind states, which might be something that we can relate to as emotions, moods, attitudes, or as you move along in the practice, you know, concentrated or not, and so forth. And then this fourth foundation that I'll leave to Liz to explain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is, we all have our ways of explaining the fourth foundation but that's this, that's later today so each of these foundations is described as being mindful of it in and of itself the body in and of itself the body as a body the feelings as feelings and I take that to mean not proliferating just you know you can tu- you can decide sometimes to just tune into the body level You know, and that's so helpful when you're all excited about all kinds of stuff or agitated about stuff. Just what is the body's experience of this moment as a body? You know, energy and movement and breath and all that. And just as a body. You know, and sometimes you can tune into overall is this pleasant or unpleasant? And that's all there is to it. You know, sometimes... I'll I'll leave Liz to comment on the other two. Um, So these qualities when we sit down to do a session of mindfulness, the Buddha describes it as bringing these qualities of being ardent and alert and mindful, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. So this is really talking about our meditation practice. Not that we don't care about the world, but that like we need sleep, we need a break now and then. So can we leave our concerns about everything else, like we leave our shoes out of this room, and come and and sit, putting that aside, and be ardent and bring bring the heart into it. You know, sometimes we can fall into our meditation practice kind of automatically. Like if I just sit here and check the box of in out for a while, something will happen. Well, probably sleep, <laughs> but you know. But if you can bring a little ardency to it, like you, it's this is your life. This is this is being alive. This is now. So, bringing that quality of ardency. And alertness, really knowing that you know what's happening. So moving on to the first foundation a little bit, the mindfulness of the body. The Buddha says, There is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now, and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body. So that's a pretty powerful statement, you know. And it really points to what's the opposite, how we live most of the time, right? Disembodied and completely in our little mentally constructed worlds, right? So mindfulness, to be mindful is to include the body and to include the present moment and to include our embodied existence in the context in which you're being aware of experience the Buddha's uh, one of the Buddha's chief disciples Ananda he was very grief stricken when the Buddha died he had only attained one stage of enlightenment and he didn't know what he was going to do and he realized for one whose master is dead and gone there is no friend like mindfulness of the body and it was practicing mindfulness of the body after the Buddha died that then led him on to his full awakening and uh, amazing ability to recite all the suttas so forth the body's always in the present as i was saying it's not involved in the past you know the body doesn't know about past present fantasy future it only it's just here so no matter how lost you are if you can include some bodily sensation you don't have to stop thinking and stop anything but just tune in a little bit to the here and now it's that opening for grounding to occur that comes up and um it's also really helpful as to become sensitive to the patterns and the, of holding and tension that are in the body is actually a great mirror for our mind states. It can be hard to notice what mind state we're in sometimes, but as we become more sensitive to the body and more used to feeling relaxed, then when something you know, makes us anxious, we notice this coming up. And then so we have this ability to notice, hey, what's happening here, before we jump on the train of reactivity. So developing the body as a more and more sensitive instrument for feedback for what is your mind state at the moment is really helpful. There's a guy named Will Johnson who's written a wonderful book called Breathing with the Whole Body that I just love. And he says, the mind that monologues can only take root in the soil of a forced or held stillness. So it's like this hyper-alert holding still. Uh, my understanding is that actually the body is trying to kind of force all that glucose up into the brain, you know, (laughs) to support that thinking activity all the time. And it has to kind of freeze lower down. And Gil Gil has this great analogy of like squeezing the tube of toothpaste, you know, the thoughts are the toothpaste coming (laughs) out the top. But you, you, you could check sometime when you're really lost in thought, are you holding, you're probably holding somewhere, you know, you're clenching to force that train of thought to keep reproducing itself. So this may be difficult for a lot of people. The body, there's bodily trauma, you know. And yet, skillful mindfulness of the body is also the leading way to approach, you know, healing from physical and sexual trauma and so forth. Finding areas of the body that are neutral and supportive or even pleasant and learning to ground yourself in those sensations and then gradually, you know, make a safe container for some of the other sensations to emerge. And I was reflecting recently that I, I, I'm not aware of any specific bodily trauma. Well, some, but not, not major like many people have in my past. But I know that for me the whole punishment and reward system is so geared toward the head. You know, doing well in school, getting the right answer, saying the right thing. That who, ne- who needs the body? So decades of, of it's like it's, it's afraid to leave the head you know, it's not that it's afraid to be in the body, but by this time, after decades of this, the body is a pretty rigid tube of toothpaste. <laughs> and so, you know, the fear of, of letting go of planning and worrying for a couple of minutes to pay attention to something that's kind of kind of numb and unpleasant, it's a transition, you know, that I've had to work with over the years. And it can be sometimes a little bit like, you know, if your hand is frozen in cold weather, it's it feels weird and tingly and odd when it starts to come back to life so there can be some difficulties like that that we encounter as we start to come into the body so I think the breath and the body medita- meditation is like a journey to the center the core of our being layers and layers and layers and it's, it's not like digging though it's like an archaeological melt not a dig You know, where your mindfulness is the sun and it's melting these layers and layers of frozenness getting into the center So, um, the specific practices that the Buddha teaches, he has six practices. And we did one of them in the guided meditation, mindfulness of breathing, these four steps that lead into sensing the whole body and calming the whole body. And then there are two more practices that have to do with maintaining awareness of the body in daily life. One is awareness of posture. And... um, I actually, I love that dinosaur tail thing. You might try it when you're standing up walking around. It gives a whole new adjustment to the, to the sense of support. And I don't know. I'm enjoying it these days. Posture when you're walking around. And there can be kind of a deeper meaning of posture. You know, we often find ourselves, you might have a habitual posture of trying to appear small. You know, or trying to brace against life or trying to be tough and confrontational with life and all that's reflected in the body in, and in the subtle bodily postures that you can become aware of you might catch yourself as you become more sensitive through meditation you know you might catch yourself in being able to t- tune into and feel some of these habitual holding patterns and then the second the mind daily life practice is clear comprehension in moving around knowing what you're doing you know when you're doing it it's great to do this on retreat. It's great to find a time at home to wash the dishes or take a shower mindfully where you're, you're really tuning in to all of your movements and knowing that you're making them as you make them. Some tips for making that work is to slow down. You know, if you can find a time to slow down, you can really catch the movements in a way that becomes very graceful. You might use a little bit of the noting. Sometimes when I'm really busy and I'm trying to zoom in and pay attention to something, I will note like reaching, touching, cool if I'm doing the dishes, warm, hard, stretching, lifting, just for a minute or two to kind of rein in my mind and sync it up with the body and get them on the same page, you know, and then more or less come into my hands. And connecting with the intentionality of movement. You know, that that you're really, you're moving this arm. It's not just moving by itself. You know, there's intentionality behind it. And then having your awareness in your hands and feet as you do things that use those limbs. And finding some time to play with all the bodily senses. You know, mindfulness of eating and going for a walk, really opening up to smelling and hearing. And, you know, I I was looking recently at John Kabat-Zinn's wonderful book, Coming to Our Senses, it's an old, oldie but goodie about uh, you know coming alive through the five senses and reconnecting to being alive. So finally, um, there are three practices that are, I think, best approached when we have a stability of our our uh, subjective ability to sense the body, when we feel it as a source of support, and when we have worked with our breath and we find some settledness and ease in the body then we can start to move toward a more insight, wisdom practices around the body. And at first these might be things you want to take up as just reflections, kind of thinking about it. And then there are ways to actually you know, meditate with these themes. One is to, to look at the body in itself, uh, kind of anatomically, the 32 parts of the body. This is usually referred to as the unbeautiful view of the body. And it really is helping cut through that gestalt of the body and see it as parts. And I find it very It's traditionally the remedy for lust and things like that. But I find it very helpful to think of it as sort of a medical approach. You know, how you would want a doctor to look at you, if you. Or if you were a doctor, how you aspire to look at your patients. You know, if you have a patient who happens to be young and beautiful, lust is not appropriate as you walk into the operating room. If you have a patient who's old and decrepit, aversion is not appropriate. From either side of that, you can think of it as a patient or as a medical student, you know. So we're learning to cultivate this ability to see the body objectively and impersonally as what it is. Head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, (laughs) bone marrow kidneys, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs, intestines, mesentery, contents of the stomach, feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle, snot, oil of the joints and urine. So, you know, medical school 101 and, you know, can be a helpful reflection if you're caught up in lust or aversion to a particular body, yours or someone else's. It's this is what it is. It's You can just go through the body looking at this just as though there were a bag with an opening at both ends full of many kinds of grain. Right? That's what we are. A bag with opening at both ends full of many kinds of stuff. And that's the stuff that this body is made of. And it's really not about arousing aversion. It's about arousing objectivity. Right? Then the next practice is to look at the body or sense the body in terms of the classical elements of earth, air, fire, water, and sometimes space. And this is a really beautiful way to further drop below the anatomical level of the body and start feeling the connection of your body to all of the rest of existence, you know. I like to relate these to the the physics models of the states of matter, you know, solid, liquid, gas, energy... This is what we are. This is what everything is. And you can sense that directly. You know, when you tune into the body directly, you're feeling things on that level. And that's a beautiful way to feel less conceptual, less attached, and more part of everything. And then the last uh, wisdom reflection is to reflect on death and the stages of decomposition of a body, which is something we don't like to look at, but it's going to happen. And it's happening all around us. You know, we see dead animals, dead dead animals on the road, in the forest. You know, some of us are more close to that. Maybe you've been with people as they die. So this is a way, again, of... It's working with neither identification nor denial and escape. Because at the same time, the body, mindfulness of the body like we did during the guided meditation is the great support for being able to face these things. So, you know, being able to feel at ease in the body, relax, breathe with the body, it's your support as you face illness and injury and death. And yet, to be able to also look at it objectively, you know, if you have an accident and lose a hand, it only makes it worse to think, oh, my hand, my hand, and to dwell on that aspect of it instead of, well, you know, a certain amount of bone and skin is gone and sinew and that, you know, but... Meanwhile, you have the breath and you have the support of the body. So balancing those two of neither identification nor nor denial and escape. And then just a couple of comments quickly again on the feeling tone, second foundation of mindfulness. The three are pleasant, unpleasant, and neither. Sometimes called neutral. But so we just so quickly categorize all kinds of contact with experience into one of those categories that we don't even see it we go right on to i like it or i don't like it and right from there on to grasping at it or pushing it away and planning how to keep it or planning how to never have it come near you and so often you can catch that you catch yourself somewhere way down a train of reaction or if it's neutral we tend to space out and look for something more interesting right and so you catch yourself way down that train of reactivity. And it's helpful to look back and realize that at the root of that, some something happened that was either pleasant or unpleasant or neutral and that set you off on this train, you know. And learning to tune into that train earlier and earlier is a way to practice with this so when we're in daily life or when we're practicing mindfulness around reactivity and so forth, it's great to be able to tune back into the feeling tone that's going on. And usually it's something that I think I've said this, but usually we tend to attribute it to the object, like that's a beautiful rug or that's a you know, an unpleasant smell. But actually it's the mind that's categorizing that. And our freedom lies in the fact that these qualities are not inherent in experience, in objects. They're something that's constructed by the mind. And we can learn to see it and and uh, recognize it in a different way. So also something that uh, Analia was emphasizing last week is that this feeling tone becomes when it's turned inward toward the wholesome or the unwholesome, it becomes a kind of guide to our, to our deepening concentration, our de- the deepening of the arousal of joy and happiness and tranquility. So you can keep... He was talking about how he establishes a pleasant feeling in the, in, in the mind or the body, and then he, he keeps that in mind. And when that starts to fade, he knows that he's fallen asleep or he's getting involved in something. And so because mindfulness itself has this pleasant quality. And that's the great secret of this whole practice is that the mind loves to be mindful and the body loves to be seen and that's, it has an inherently pleasant aspect to it. So if you can get in touch with that and uh, deepen it, then you can use that. And it can take you clear into the Four Noble Truths, right? This is dukkha, this is not dukkha. That's, that's got an aspect of the feeling tone in it that we're working with all the way through. So those are my comments on mindfulness of the body and feeling tone. It's kinda of warm in here. Everybody's falling asleep. Shall we is the air on? Shall we see if the air's on? Okay. Maybe. So Bernie's gonna leave us in a in a discussion and see if you can stay in your body as we start to move.
1: So, we're going to have our uh, breakout session, and so we're going to um, go into small groups and uh, reflect, explore the following questions. What is mindfulness? It's interesting that we're asking the question after listening to Chris talking about it. We all have our own way of understanding what it is. So what is mindfulness? Um, And so let me see this. How would it help you to incorporate more bodily awareness in daily life? Beginning... um Oh, it worked. Okay, great. So, wait a minute. Let me see here. So, um, so, as we are going to break into groups, we're going to introduce uh, mindfulness of walking and mindfulness of moving. You know, as you're moving, standing, um, leaving the chair and go to a place to meet your other um, members of your group. So um, see if we can, as you, as you start, you know, we're going to, we're going to repeat the, the questions, but as you start, you know, we, we, we start with an intention of standing and moving into a group. See how does it feel in the body, how, how, how it is for you that, how, how do you become aware that you're moving, that you're going to engage into an activity, um, and how does it feel to walk? Um, and we can include within that what Chris mentioned about um, how, how does it feel, okay? So see if you can find uh, three more people. We have around 30 Thirty pers- uh, two people or thirty three. So, what about um, having uh, groups of four? So, find uh, three other companions on the path.
0: <laughs> Did you get the air on, you think? On, it just kept lowering the heat. And I okay, I'll, I'll go play with it. Remembering
1: that. becoming aware of moving and walking,
0: so they start be yeah.
1: becoming aware of how you're changing in posture. Yeah, taking a moment, again, becoming aware of how you're moving, how you're engaging into starting a conversation about mindfulness. And I'm going to add one more question. Yes. The question is, how would it help you to incorporate more bodily awareness in daily life? You know, within your understanding of mindfulness, how would it help you to incorporate more bodily awareness in daily life? And you're going to have... We're going to have 20 minutes. So... um, we can start with one person and then you can continue to the next person and then you're going to continue to the next person. And um, each person will have like five minutes. That's, yeah. You want to do it circularly or analogous? Yeah, I, like we can go like circularly so that as we go, maybe... What you heard from other people will inspire or will bring some other thoughts or ideas or and then you can continue continue to uh, the circle, in, in adding what else? what else is coming up for you. Is that good? Okay. Well. I, I will let me, let me. Um, this is, gosh, there's nothing like the practice. Let me confess something. As I was looking at the questions, I read the question from Chris What is mindfulness? And I'm like, oh, okay, what is mindfulness? So that was the first question What is mindfulness? In your understanding, after Chris talking about mindfulness, and then the second question is how would it help you to incorporate more bodily awareness or mindfulness of the body in daily life. Okay? And you can start. So taking a moment to become aware of body We can do this in our daily lives. As you're speaking, you're stopping. Here's the body. Mm. And so now we want to have maybe one person uh, from some of the groups, uh, if you want to share what came up. You know, maybe um, some people and um, what some of the highlights of your discussion. And I'm going to give the microphone to this group here. Um, (laughs) Okay. And then uh, whoever raises the hand from other group, if you can pass it, Nick, that will be great. But, yeah, you were chosen just for the first.
2: So should I share? I mean... (laughs)
0: So you, can, you
1: can. If not, you, if not, you can uh, no, pass the fine, microphone to, tomorrow uh, uh, to to other people who wants to share.
0: I was just joking. Oh, a,
2: a theme that a theme that uh, came up uh, um, a bit he, in our group, anyway, is um, how uh, if if an illness or some or some sort of something with the body, you know, uh, uh, illness or surgery or something that that comes up really brings us back into the body and a better relationship with it. I know it it did with me and, uh, uh, and, and we mentioned it in the group too. And, uh, in a way it's like a,
0: it's almost like a grateful thing.
2: Uh, well we got sick and that's not good. But at the same time I now have this healthier relationship with the body. Uh, so, so that came up.
1: Thank you. Any any other group?
2: So we we talked about uh, one characterization of uh, mindfulness is uh, a non-judgmental awareness, and to have that of our body and. Uh, Another idea that uh, came along is also over there is the mindfulness about a particular thing which then starts to look more like concentration uh, as compared to aware of the overall or many things, Uh, as she pointed out, and that that goes more in the realm of awareness. and then for daily practice or what can help uh, is to observe uh, your emotions and thoughts uh, and when they come what happens to your body. And then by becoming aware of it what happens in your body and then perhaps controlling it can also help you uh, control your responses. So
1: thank you. Uh, To uh, this person in the back?
2: I think there was one common theme in our group about the benefit of being mindful of the body, and that's that it can get you out of your head. So if you get all wrapped up in your thinking, uh, which is usually, I think, unpleasant, at least a couple of us agreed, um, Focusing on your body, the body is here and now in the present moment. So if, if you're not here and you're just wrapped up in some unpleasant thoughts, half of which you're just making up, then mindfulness of the body can help you uh, get back.
1: Any any other group? Um, so in our uh, in our group, we shared that um, for in regard to the second question, that being more aware of the body in daily life can be beneficial because um, often different kinds of tension or discomfort in the body is related to emotions. And someone also mentioned that um, uh, like she used to like push through. Th- difficulties um and now she realizes that like if she's aware that there's some um, tension then it's okay to just um work and deal with things from from whatever energy level she's at rather than pushing which sounds more compassionate and also being more aware of the body um for me helps me to feel more grounded great thank you so now we are um let's move into uh taking a break